Support for this podcast comes from Invent Together. I bet you didn't know that inventing activity by black inventors peaked in 1899, and it has never recovered. Black and Hispanic college graduates patented half the rate of white college graduates. That's just one of the reasons why you need to know about Invent Together. When our patent system gets more diverse, our nation will get stronger and more successful. Find out how you can help diverse inventors and unleash economic opportunity at inventtogether.org. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Meara, Democratic pollster with GBA Strategies. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So I always think of Kristen as my one of my few sources of G-rated pure entertainment, clean, clean living. Really? I don't know what that says about you, you or the rest of uh, <laughs> or the rest I'm of everything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who that insults more, me or you, but probably me. Anyway, but like new dog Kristen Twitter is like couldn't is it like takes it to a new pure G-rated I'm so much level. more mellow now. <laughs> I actually on my drive over here to the studio. I mean, I sat in traffic on the hill for like over half an hour. And I, I think I only, like, swore once. I mean, that think? is the influence of me having this dog in my life, just mellowing and me. And the dog's oh. name is? Wally. And he's a golden retriever, like a grown-up golden retriever. He is. So there's apparently in Turkey, it is very fashionable to have a golden retriever puppy, but less so to have a golden retriever dog. Mm. And that, like, stray dogs are, like, a big thing in Istanbul. Like, it's just it's right. part of the in culture. A, in a lot of, it, it's true in a lot of places, yeah. right? But isn't Istanbul where they had, like, a cat that was, has, like, its own – there's, like, some famous – street cat that has its own bench I or sculpture. I 100% believe that's true. Yeah, anyway, sorry. <laughs> so, so, so Wally found himself in a shelter. He spent the last year in like a cage. And this organization called Kyra's Rescue is a woman who has a lot of friends and contacts in Turkey. They know that golden retrievers are popular here. Like I've always wanted one, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to get a rescue dog. I didn't mm-hmm. want to go to a breeder. So this was kind of perfect. And also because I travel so much, a puppy is like they need much. to be taken out yeah. every, you know, five seconds. And whereas Wally is so chill, like housebroken, super trained. When we're not home, he gets into trouble because we watch him on puppy cam. Like he gets, he doesn't go on the couch when we're home. But right. as soon as we leave, he's like, sweet couch time. You know, he he has uh, extensive reach to access people food in places where I did not think it was accessible. Right. Right. Um, but he is loving and wonderful and this is his new forever home is at house anderson so so... if you follow my social feed it's now 70 to 80 percent dog pictures i feel like i want you to start schlepping wally like to the studio or when we do tv hits together just like i schlep lucy everywhere and like i feel like i want now to see like i showed showed up at the office on monday And I had been gone for like three weeks because I'd been in like we had been on the road in Arizona and then I was in Brussels and I was all over the place. And I come back and I'm like, hello, Echelon. And they're like, where's the dog? (laughs) You didn't bring the dog with you. Great. We don't care. Bring the dog next time. So they'll be extra disappointed when I go out to the office after we finish this taping because I will also not have the dog with me. Well, I hope Wally is better behaved in your office than Beckett was behaved in my <laughs> office before the holiday, where I was like, he was, you know, my uh, husband and daughter were out of town, and Beckett was like, the only thing I want to do is go to your office. I'm like, I don't 
think you're going to have fun and you're going to just destroy everything. And so uh, I put it on the calendar, like, hide all your valuables, like, <laughs> on the office <laughs> hide calendar. Hide your kids, hide your wife. <laughs> exactly. I put it on the <laughs> office calendar. And then I brought him in and he was just, like, immediately, like, in, you know, destructo, destructo mode. I'm like, okay, great. Now we're going home. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I, I, it sounds like Wally is a little bit more chill than Becca. Maybe they could give each other some sort of instruction and relaxing. Well, he's very good with hanging out in grown-up spaces. He, he's that's Wally's great with kids. That's good. Well, speaking of kids, we have a variety of kind of we have like the mix of political polling and sort of. Fun, wacky. Polling. We're light on political polling this yeah, week because not the a holiday. Lot. People weren't in the field over the holiday. So anyway, so what are the top ones? So we've got a new poll from the Navigator Project that Margie's worked on. We got a new poll about women and the GOP that I've been working on. Plus, we'll look at some new public polling on GM Trump, teens on their phones, people living past a hundred years old, and we'll end on some polling, highly scientific, as the end of our show always is, about unwelcome house guests. Yes. So first we have a poll of the week and it's a time person of the year readers poll. So it is not, I'm assuming, how they pick their actual person of the year, but they have an online poll where people can suggest who they want to see. And I think we've done this in previous years. We've talked about this. And as in previous years, K-pop bands are at the top of the yep. list. And so BTS has a is in the lead with ten percent. Yes, uh, followed by Thai Cave Divers at seven percent. Yep. Uh, Moon Jae In at five percent. Planet Earth at five percent. I'm assuming that's not the David Attenborough documentary series. Is this I'm, another one of those like we we are all the Times Person of so. the Year thing? I guess so. Like you in the mirror, right? Yeah. And then very Mohammed bin Salman winds up in here at four percent. That's. A curious inclusion. Yeah. Um, well, it doesn't Blasey. have to be your favorite person. No, that's it right. It doesn't have to be bad, like... Bad people have gotten this too because yes. they're very influential. Um, but then we have Christine Blasey Ford at 4%, Michelle Obama at 4%, Undocumented Children at 4%, Meghan Markle at 3%, Robert Mueller at 3%, Serena Williams at 3%. I mean, what if Time that's was like... fascinating collection. What if Time magazine was like... F this. Everything is crazy. We're putting BTS. BTS is the time person here. We just need a like, <laughs> we just need a little like joy and a just t- time out from all that is nuts. So we're going to put a K-pop band and that's it. Like, they, you know, who knows? Right? I do feel like it has to be like, well, I guess would that, that would be too like, would it be too U.S. focused if it was like women winning elected office. I, that's uh, is that, didn't they have women in the, like me too women last year? That that was my other thought was last year it was like the silence breakers. Like yeah. the, so I don't know. Doesn't mean they can't I mean I think people Sorry ladies, you can only uh, collectively as a gender be the person of the year one time. <laughs> but yeah, no I understand what you I understand, right? Is yep. it going to be serious or is it going to be Meghan Markle, you know, which was is, I'm going to say that's not serious, but that is like a joyful as opposed to – although women getting elected to Congress is pretty joyful. Anyway, we'll see. Maybe – that's what I'm saying. BTS, just like – Yep. <laughs> I think that's not make it. Let's not think too hard. As someone who's not <laughs> deeply familiar with K-pop, though, should probably start listening to that Spotify station more often. Uh, I, I Every year when we tape this episode, I always have to Google, like, 
what is BTS? Yes. And then I'm like, oh, 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 we did this last year. We did this yeah, last no, year. Yeah, I, 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 no, I did the same. <laughs> I did the same thing. I had a woman in a focus group like a, who was in like in her 50s. And when I asked people, what's, you know, what do you like to do for fun or what's your favorite TV show in the icebreaker? She's like K-pop. And nobody had ever said that before. So, you know, maybe maybe it's happening. Yeah. Maybe she's in there, you know, voting over and over again to make sure BTS is at the top of the list. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Who's not at the top of the list? Not at the top of the list. Well, President Trump's job approval hanging out at 43.1%. Not a ton of change. Uh, But there was a Gallup poll that came out showing him at 60% disapproval, which would be the first time he – I believe the first time he had crossed that threshold. So it would not be surprising if a week from now his job approval has dropped by a point or two. That would also – my theory has always been that a big part of Trump's appeal is that he is a – winner, quote unquote. And so if he is not winning, then does that take does his brand take a hit? And now that you have I think it is confirmed that Dems picked up 40 seats in the House. Mm-hmm. Like now all I think all of the races have been resolved. I think so. Yeah. Um, I mean, like there's no way yeah. 40 seats is not a wave, guys. That's like if you are trying to spin it any other I way. Mean, I think there's one race where they haven't like final. But anyway, yes. They yeah. haven't, like, um, so with that, plus the results. GM news, like it would not surprise me if we come back a week from now and that number's lower. Yeah. So uh, we'll see. Right. I mean, obviously, his numbers have been pretty stable despite, you know, even when he doesn't seem stable. His numbers remain stable. Um, if you ask, you know, there's been some post-election polling that we didn't get to last week, but it's come out over the last couple of weeks, one by Monmouth, um, that shows that people still feel, they don't really feel a whole, you know, a whole lot better about our political climate or optimistic about where things are going. You still have a majority say they feel dissatisfied. You still have about a fifth that say they feel angry. Um, about Washington, uh, you have basically similar numbers as it felt last year about whether or not they think our our government is basically sound or n- whether it needs basically sound but needs some improvement. So you have a majority, but not like an overwhelming majority, feel that our government is basically sound in some way with, you know, almost as many, but fewer than half say they don't feel that the government is is uh, particularly sound. Um, you have a majority who say that we're going to be more divided now than than uh, that we're more divided than since uh, Trump took office. That really hasn't changed that much. They, people think there's not going to be that much change, you know, next cycle uh, or next year as a result. Um, you know, the, so I, I don't know if the election has sort of changed overall where pe- the the what people feel the fate of. Washington and Washington division is, right? I don't know if people feel differently as a result of the election. There's some interesting polling that we don't have in our script, but that uh, Carol Daugherty at Pew has has pushed out, which was some post-election polling done by Pew asking, you know, who do you prefer on a different range of issues? And things like health care, ethics, and government, I mean, these are all things where people prefer Democrats in Congress to have, or they think they'll have the better approach compared to President Trump. Really, President Trump only has the advantage on jobs and economic growth. 
um, when you look through this entire sample. So, I mean, I think there is a sense that people would like to see things put forward by the new Congress. Mm-hmm. But that's different than believing that anything's actually going to yes, change. Yes, exactly. And the Navigator poll that uh, that was released, and, you know, folks can go to navigatorresearch.org where everything is online, including the, the full top lines, shows a lot of that same, you know, the issue of health care that was so big in the advertising. We've talked about it a lot, really big in the exit polls. It's still big now in terms of what people see as a priority. And like with Pew, what they see Democrats having a real clear advantage on and what they really want to see Democrats or or Congress in general tackle. So that's very much in line with them. Um, There's also this question of oversight and uh, being a check and balance on Trump. We asked in the Navigator poll a variety of different questions. They may sound similar, but which do you think you know, you prefer? Check and balance, uh, providing transparency, et cetera. And check and balance was a clear, you know, or taking on the Trump administration. People really want, they, they like this idea of check and balance is important relative to these other ways of talking about uh, that this independence. Um, and then we had another question. Do you agree or disagree? Democrats should follow the facts when they see evidence of wrongdoing by the Trump administration and go wherever the facts take them. This is an issue that we're going to see come up again for sure. And you have 43 percent say they strongly agree and another 28 percent, so a majority overall, say they somewhat agree. Um, far fewer say they they neither agree nor disagree or disagree. I mean, you only have about 11 percent say they disagree with that. Independents feel similarly. And even in battleground congressional districts, people feel somewhat similarly, maybe a little bit less intensity. So that's from Navigator. Um, so we'll, so health care continues to be big, but there is at the same time this goal and desire for uh, following the facts and providing a check and balance. So there's a little bit of polling from Monmouth that's come out that's covered the question of, you know, how do people just feel about the system in general? Um, they're finding that in November 28, and this is a question they have asked over the last couple of, of months and years, which of the following words best describes how you feel about Washington? Uh, the percentage saying dissatisfied has hit its highest point during the Trump era. However, the percent saying angry has hit its lowest point during yeah. the Trump era. So it's I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. Is like increasingly the uh, the way yeah. voters are feeling about things. Yeah. Satisfied is at twelve percent, which is where it's been. Happy only at three percent. Only three percent happy with how things are going in Washington. Would love to do that focus group. Yeah, I know. Would love to know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cut to. What do you mean you don't can't find any respondents? Like <laughs> I want respondents who feel happy. Like I'm sorry, we've been calling. We've been trying to recruit people for that book for the happy about the government group for three weeks, and we can't find. We only have two people. Um, yep. Okay. So before, so let's talk about Trump and GM before we do our break. Right. So there's a new Huffington Post YouGov poll. And this is one of the more recent polls that's come out, and it it's come out really at the you know concurrently with the news about GM and about jobs, um, and then uh, Ariel Edwards Levy. Normally we cite her jokes. Today we have you know this uh, poll, and and you can go actually look at some demographic breakouts on their website. Uh, whether or not you feel Trump has accomplished. Uh, job, you know, creating jobs, um, bringing manufacturing jobs back to the U.S. Do you think he's accomplished it or is he likely to accomplish it in the future or unlikely to accomplish it? And, you know, his numbers, I mean, this is consistent with what, you know, you were talking about before. Pew and others have found that, you know, Trump's numbers on the economy are okay. They're not 
you know, as bad as some of his other numbers. And you can see that here with about a fifth or so between a fifth and a quarter, say he's already accomplished it, about a fifth between the same number, say he's likely to accomplish it. And then you have, a you know, almost you have 35 to 40 percent somewhere around there. Say he's unlikely to accomplish it, but more feel optimistic than pessimistic. Um, independence, maybe a little bit more pessimistic or not sure really what to think of, of Trump and the economy. Um you know, Axios said something that's not in the script showing that, you know, women feel more pessimistic about the economy. We've talked about that. We've seen that other places. And that transcends party lines. We'll see. I mean, there is this theory out there that it, the economy, if the, you know, if there are if it is bad economic news that hurts, you know, that may hurt Trump more than his tweets or the scandals. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Yep. Well, with that, let's go ahead and take a break and hear from our sponsor. Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. All right, we're back. Uh, and we're back with some polling that I was lucky enough to have a chance to do with the uh, Democracy Fund Voice. Uh, wanted to study what do Republicans think about this question of women in politics. And so we've talked, you know, anytime there's a poll on this that pops up, we try to talk about it on the show because it's a fascinating topic. What we did for this research project is I interviewed over a dozen Republican state and county, like party chairs, vice chairs, about this topic. And this was we did these interviews over the summer asking them, do you how do you think the party's doing when it comes to recruiting, training, elevating female candidates? Do you think so they you did one on one interviews? So that's different than a quantitative survey, right, where you're you did them like so, by phone, right? So we started with the right. the, the, the qualitative, right. you know, one on one interviews with these party leaders. Which sort of gave us an idea of like what messages would work and which messages wouldn't work, mm -hmm. you know. It, it, and of course, we also wanted to see where would there be divides between party leaders and sort of rank and file everyday Republicans who may not be going to right. party committee meetings and right. things. Um, it was really fascinating. I mean, a lot of the folks who were in party leader roles like had very different views on whether the party should or shouldn't be making a specific focus in this way and it was not like half of my interviewees were women some were old some were young there was no it wasn't like the women all thought let's do this and the men all thought not or the young people thought let's do this and the old people like there there was no rhyme or reason mm -hmm. to when somebody would say yes we should be focused on this but one thing that was really clear was everyone said, look, I've tried to ask women to run for office. And uh, th when I've asked these talented and qualified women, a lot of times what I hear back is, no, thank you. That seems miserable. I'm sp I want to spend time with my family. That will be too much. Right. And so there was some really interesting articles that have come out in the wake of the last midterm about how family unfriendly being in Congress is. Right. So like, these folks have a point. Yeah. When women say, I don't want to run for office because it seems miserable and it's going to make me fly to Washington and I can't take, you know, I can't bring my kids or what. Right. They're not wrong. They're not right. going crazy. Right. And so in our survey, we actually asked some questions when we then surveyed Republican voters do you believe that, uh, you know, we asked about these trade-offs about making, you know, things more family friendly, uh, you know, that should we make uh, being in 
politics more family friendly or no, because that'll just take people away from their kids. And like large majorities of Republicans are like, no, let's make politics more family friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what was really fascinating in our study, and I I wrote a column sort of summarizing this, but you can also get the raw results at uh, the Democracy Fund Voice webpage. So I'll make sure you guys have the link uh, on my Twitter feed or in show notes um, is we would ask people, how do you think the party's doing when it comes to elevating women? And both before and after the election, we asked people before the election and then we did a post-election survey. Right. Um, after the election, they were just as likely to say, party's doing great in terms of elevating women, which the actual numbers are right. the opposite. The actual numbers say that now you have 13 Republican women in the House. Like now that all those races have been decided, only 13 Republican women in the House. It's, that's a jaw-droppingly low number. Here's the crazy part. In the survey... And we did this was the pre-election survey when the number was still like 23. Um, We would say, do you think, you know, do you think that we that Republicans need to be doing more to like elevate women to office? People be like, oh, yeah, sure. We'd say, you know, what percentage of Republicans in Congress do you think are women? Less than a quarter, like got it right or underestimated Mm. it. Everyone was like the vast majority were like, oh, 15, 20, 30, 50. You know, they all thought it was much higher than it was. But then we followed it up with an if you knew right. that it was only 9%, uh, do you think that the we'd be better off, worse off, or would there be no different if we tried to boost that number? Mm-hmm. And the majority said no different. Mm. That it, It's not like they say, oh, we'd be worse off if there were women right. in politics. Like, thankfully, overt sexism okay. was in <laughs> short supply of the survey. There's right. not a ton of it. But there was a lot of like, well, I just want the best candidates, right? right. I, you know, if it's... If it's more women, I guess that's good. The argument that seemed to be the most persuasive across both waves was the idea that if you had more Republican women in office, it would, like, make Republican women more visible. Yeah. Like, they'd be more represented. They'd count more. Their voice would be heard more. And would that help you win elections? Would it help win over female voters? The arguments about, like, numbers and Mm. proportionality didn't really fly. But arguments about visibility and winning elections – were more persuasive. So that that was my – it's been a fascinating project to work on the last couple of months. I'm so excited the data is public. Check it out. That is cool. I mean, I – well, first of all, it, you know, we, we should – we don't talk about IDIs, in-depth interviews, very often because those things are not usually public or part of public projects. But they're often when you have a multi-phase kind of project, you begin with doing some – often some in-depth interviews with kind of the stakeholders or the leaders or the people who are real, you know, who have studied your topic a lot to kind of help you – you know, I, I don't want to say brainstorm, that's not quite right, but just get a little bit more context or hear some other opinions about what about the topic that you're then going to study further with voters or the general population in some way. So that's, you know, one of the tool, you know, that is a tool that's often done. And it's harder to get those folks in a room to do a focus group. So that's why there are one-on-one interviews. Anyway, so just a little bit of backstory about that. Um, I've been a respondent for one-on-one interviews as well as person who's interviewed people for one-on-one interviews. Um, now, so And I, you know, I support your mission to get more Republican women to be, I mean, it is, I don't think it's healthy for the party. Obviously, it's not healthy for the party. And I don't think it's healthy for the rest of us to have one of the parties be so dominated by white men. That just doesn't seem good for anybody (laughs) except for, I guess, Republican white men. It doesn't even seem good for them either because they've lost a lot of races. And Mia Love, uh, outgoing member of Congress in Utah, who... um, 
was really denigrated by Trump, who like really spoke very strongly against him a couple days ago. I mean, that was quite that was quite something. I mean, it was a real. Uh, I do wish more politicians would be unleashed like before they lose. Election. I know, <laughs> but that's that's just well. Me. I mean, that's part I get of this, why they uh, are the way right, they are, but it's part of the authenticity piece. Like, if you would, you know, I mean, for a lot of these pl- races, who's to say? Probably we don't know what the causality or what would happen. Right, so people maybe in losing races not because they weren't speaking boldly about the president, but because of the district or because of whatever. But are there places where if a candidate had been more, a Republican candidate had been more strongly trying to distance themselves from Trump, would they have been able to salvage their chances because they seemed more independent? Maybe, maybe not. You know, who knows? But it, it does portray it does portray a little bit of a lack of authenticity when you have you know Republicans like sort of oh I, I didn't hear what happened I didn't hear oh did he tweet something I don't know I'm headed this way you know <laughs> that kind of thing is you know I think strikes people as inauthentic anyway nonetheless it is a real sign of you know a turmoil in the Republican Party when you have Trump going after women candidates or African American candidates in his own party and having them like you know go after you know clap back at him anyway um, so I. And it is interesting how on the Democratic side, our different views of having more women in office and having a more diverse field, we like, you know, we want to talk about it all the time, you know, for all kinds of reasons. Like, it's the right thing to do. Or is it, do you get better legislation? Or, you know, winning elections is not even the top two or three reason that people would come up with as to why, to you know, we should have a more diverse candidate field on the left. Like, that wouldn't even that's you know it's not it's because we feel that this is the, this is what we're all about this is what the right thing to do is so um so that is pretty interesting that that was seen as the top reason on the Republican side. Yeah, I think it's, and, and this was consistent with, we had that morning consult poll we talked about a couple months ago. Pew had done research along these lines too, where they asked people, like, do you think we'd be better off with, do you think if we had more women in Congress, like there'd be more compromise and all those things? And Republicans don't say, like there would be less comp, you know. Right. They, they don't think it's going to be worse. But they're just like, yeah, I don't, I don't really see that there are any argument that tries to suggest that like women as a category would are better. do something better than men. They're yeah. like, ah, and I don't like that either. Although a lot of people on the left say it, and I understand why people say it, and I, I know why people like you women know. are just as capable of being bad candidates That's right. as men. Guys. That's right. I <clears> mean, <throat> we don't have to be better. We don't have to be better. We can just, you know, we can in order to deserve parity. So I. I'm with you on that. Um, okay. So, meanwhile, we have some more stuff on the youngs and the old, some of our other topics. So we're leaving gender Republican women aside. We have some new polling from Pew about teens and the Internet, which I think is pretty interesting. Actually, I feel like this isn't new. I'm now looking at the chart, and it says that it's from March but of where April. Do, why does it? But where? But they've the Pew's has just re-pushed uh, it out. Normally, I don't fall for that. Pew, you got us. Fact tank, you got <laughs> us. <laughs> That's okay. You know what? It's interesting polling. Anytime there's polling, it's probably done, not volatile. It's probably the, exactly the same yep, as I'm, it was. I'm totally comfortable citing six to eight month old data on this question. Hey, we're all trying to get our sea legs um, back after the holidays. <laughs> So and it's, we it's, all, I mean myself. <laughs> well, this is relevant, I think, because if you – so this, this next batch of polls we're going to talk about, if you were home over the holidays and you hung out with people who were very old or very young, maybe these are findings that are relevant and interesting yes. to you. So this one is if you were hanging out with teenagers and you were, like, horrified by how much they were on their phones and 
why don't you go out and play with your friends and all that stuff? We have some, Pew has provided some interesting data that says young people, teens, who use you know, only one to two social media sites are not any more or less likely to hang out with their friends in person than people who use like five to seven social media sites. Yeah. Which, hang on for just one brief moment. How many different social media sites can you be on? I, uh, Facebook, three. Twitter, Snapchat, Instagram. I mean, I know, but like I'm trying to get to WhatsApp? seven. I don't know. Yeah, but I think of that more as messaging than, yeah. well, I don't know. Seven seems like a lot, guys. Don't be on seven. Right. Reevaluate your life choices. (laughs) Um, They're probably not on LinkedIn. They do find, though, that for those who are on more of these platforms, they are more likely to say that they hang out with their friends. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) They're more likely to hang out with their friends online, but they are no less likely to hang out with their friends in person. Mm. But they're still extremely unlikely to hang out with their friends in person. Only these numbers are so crazy. So uh, of teenagers who use social media sites, only about a quarter say that they get together with their friends daily or almost every day. But they, the more social media sites you use, like 75% of those who are on a bunch of platforms say they hang out with their friends online every day. So this is – when I was researching the selfie vote, like I read some paper about how the auto industry was trying to figure out how to get kids to buy cars because they don't want to buy cars because they don't want to drive to see each other because they don't need to because they're all playing Fortnite or – well, Fortnite wasn't around back right. then. But it's – I'm trying to get that SEO up again. Talk about Fortnite. <laughs> K-pop, Fortnite. I know, I, we're going to be really big. What other words can we say that we'll get us Googled? Um, Kardashian. Yes. Uh, anyhow, so kids are not hanging out with each other in person very much these days, which is kind of crazy to me. Well, it doesn't mean they don't have good, strong connections. That's true. So speaking of, so we talked about the Youngs. Hello, fellow kids. And then Axios has a poll with SurveyMonkey uh, where they talked about uh, how old you want to live. And this was a – was this a Kurt Vonnegut short story? Was that tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow? Is that what that was called? Something – there was some – I hope I have that right. And if people are going to tweet me, like, you you know nothing. Um, but there was, like, a short story about, you know – living forever or what that does to a family. Anyway, um, so they did this poll and where they asked people, they said life expectancy in the U.S. is 81 years for women, 77 years for men. Do you want to live longer than that? And two, about two-thirds say yes, longer. Just a handful said shorter. And then 29% said about that long. And there's not that much difference across age? I mean, you have, I guess, men who say they want a little bit longer than women, which is kind of interesting. Uh, I was right. And then, thank you, producer Richard. And then um, uh, folks 65 and up said uh, they were a little bit more likely than people who are younger to say that they wanted to live longer than life expectancy. So 61% of young people said they want to live longer than that. 71% of older people said they want to live longer than that. But then when you ask about would you like to live past the age of 100, then you get different kinds of answers in terms of the uh, you know, based on age, where older people were more likely to say no than younger people. I don't want to live past 100. Younger people said, well, it depends on life quality. They're more likely to say that than older people. I mean, it's definitely interesting. I have two methodological beefs with this. May I vent them? Yes. Number one. Uh, yeah. I'm I, 65 and up 
and you're asking a question about do you want to live longer than 77? Right. What if they already are? Then you need to not ask the people who yes. are 78. Yeah. I mean, the, why are we including them in the question? Right. I mean, you can include them in the past 100 question, but they're – Yeah. Like, okay, so that's number one. Right. <laughs> number two – Are I, you mad that you've already lived past life expectancy or not? <laughs> <laughs> and then number two, depends on life quality is such a cop-out. Like, I know. This would be – Yes, that's what I thought you were going to Of course it depends on life yes. quality. You, I mean, I, I think it would be more interesting to just have it a yes or no because you are then hearing people sort of think through – their expectations about yeah. life quality, which is interesting. So I love you, Survey Monkey, but these are my two gripes. With yeah, this no, I had the same thing. And then in the write up, which I did not include here, it, it, they said, like, oh, some older people don't want to be in the oi, my back stage. I'm like, okay. And then the conclusion, bottom line, science should get over itself or something like that. And I thought, well, you know, it just didn't seem like whoever wrote this, no offense, it, and maybe it's because I am an elder caregiver. It just didn't seem like you – it didn't seem like a lot of awareness of the issues that happen at kind of end of life and elder care. Like, oh, it's just my my back hurts. Like, well, no, there's actually like a lot of – challenges in when you get to this age and so it's not as simple as like 100 77 81 or it depends on life quality can mean different things to different people you know it mm-hmm. can mean so much dramatic i mean life quality is such an amorphous big topic <laughs> in of itself and and it's not just about having a backache it's about being an independent in your own home whether or not you have children near you etc cetera, etc cetera. so anyway it's still interesting but it is such a more complicated topic than this question would suggest. So we have one other little poll. It's not even, where does this even come from? It was, uh, it was called Reboot, the Reboot. So this, this goes under a question wording that does not. Reboot Foundation. That does not really help us that much. It's elevated, it's called Reboot, Elevating Critical Thinking. Question. Do you believe that critical thinking skills are necessary in today's world? No. What? Where, yes or yes? This well, one, 1% of people agree with you on this totally not loaded, not biased, skewed my, my favorite spin instructor is like, do you, are you ready to go higher? Yes or yes? <laughs> That's what this question reminds me of. Like, are you ready to turn up the resistance? Yes or yes? I'm never ready to turn up the resistance. <laughs> Heck no. I'm really good. The few times I've done spin class, I'm super good at like miming. Like, I've, been, I've turned the knob. Like, oh yeah. You're only me, totally fooling yourself. You're only fooling yourself, Kristen. <laughs> Just uh, like this question, you or me. Anyhow, I think the other thing that I enjoyed about this chart is, so it, it's a pie chart, which it takes the results of the poll out to two decimal places. <gasps> right. I'm losing my dog, Mellow. I'm losing my Wally Mem- Mellow as we approach the end of this episode. I'm not a fan <laughs> of using the pie chart when you have a scale. Like, I feel the pie chart should be, like, do you like blue, green, or orange as opposed to, like, how much do you like blue on a scale of 0 to 10 and then have every- that be a, a pie? But that's – I don't know if that's a – I think that – I don't know if that's a personal beef or if no, that's some that's standard correct. thing. But I, that's- think that's, I think you are correct. Um, but, yeah, there's just – well – and if you click on the link in our show notes, you'll you'll discover the other thing that we that we have a beef with about this chart. <laughs> I'll leave it at that. Um, okay. okay, we don't have a beef with this poll though, which is from the Canton a can, the Canton newspaper. I don't know if that's I don't know what Canton 
this is. I think there are lots of Cantons, and I I felt like I didn't really need to know. Is it Canton? I'm looking Isn't there it a Canton, Massachusetts? Is it the Canton neighborhood outside of Baltimore? Is it even in America? I have no idea. Um, Stand by. I'm going to figure this out. Oh, I think it's got to be a – no, that could just be an ad. Uh, it's somewhere that's 27 degrees right now. Hang on. I think it's – I mean, it definitely <laughs> has a northeast – it, it's not Canton, Ohio. It's Ohio. It is Ohio. Canton, Ohio. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes, is Canton, Ohio. Okay, so – A Canton man described as an unwelcome – Guest. Okay. We've already found a typo, but that's okay. Described as an unwelcome guest, not guests, as it's written here, is arrested after he set fire to a shirt and tossed onto a porch. Tossed it onto... Anyway, the Canton paper... Was he tossed onto a porch? (laughs) Or was the shirt? All I have to say is I'm stunned this isn't coming from Florida, my beloved home state. I don't know. But anyway, they said, never mind proofing this article. We need to come up with a poll about this. And they did. What is the first sign a guest has overstayed his or her welcome? So I will say, I have to just preface this by saying, we had house guests for Thanksgiving. My sister, her husband, and their adorable toddler daughter came to stay. And it was like the best 72 hours of my life because we spent the whole weekend staying in, eating turkey, drinking beer, and playing video games and like behaving like we were 17. It was so lovely. So Jen and Blaze, y'all did none of these things. Please come back and hang. But how many of these things did a toddler, because they're a toddler, do? Loud and intrusive, you know, help themselves to food and drink. <laughs> nope, that's too, wa- that's too Wally. comfortable. <laughs> uh, my beer fridge in the basement is empty, but that was that was by design. <laughs> that was by design. Um, yeah, the number one thing twenty one uh, is quirks become annoying. Twenty one percent say that quirks become annoying. I would not. I don't. I would. I don't know if I would have picked that as myself as the number one. Yeah. Well, I think. Too loud and intrusive, maybe? Although I don't know because I, I'm trying to think if I've ha- ever even had loud and intrusive house guests. And I don't G-rated think G-rated, pure Kristen. No. I'm, uh, well, we also just haven't had that many house guests. But I think when I go home, my biggest violation, I think, is too comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like within 48 hours of being home at my parents' house or my in-laws' house, like I'm in my pajamas, unshowered, rifling through the fridge. Like this is how I'm going to spend the day, everyone. I've, Buckle up. <laughs> I think I've had I've had house guests do all these things. I've done most of these things myself. I I I'm not belligerent, but um, I don't, I'm pretty sure. But I've probably done all these other things. I'm certainly loud. Loud and intrusive seem different enough that they should not be in the same answer category. But we're probably spending more time on this than the the Canton paper people were. But um, but then other is the winner at 31. percent God knows what's in the other what are people thinking where they're like, nope, none of those things. It's setting fire to a shirt or what, you know, who knows? Like, what do people (laughs) say in the other? I don't know. Very funny. Okay. Key findings. How are you feeling about the new Dem Congress? If the answer is not good, maybe you are ready for our new BTS overlords. And are your unwanted house guests family members? Maybe bringing up how long they want to live is one way to suggest they couch surf somewhere else. You can find us on Twitter at at the pollsters, individually at at Margie O'Meara and at Kay Soltis Anderson or www.thepolsters.com. Thanks. Bye.